we are starting a new sermon series. New stage, new series. That's the way it goes. But before we get there, I need to say one thing, and I want to show you the progression of what happened last week. Because let me tell you what happened Sunday last week. We left an old place. We took everything off the stage, and it looked like this picture up in the upper left. And I told myself, this is never going to come together by next week. In fact, I was thinking, hey, Jimmy, how do you feel about acoustic worship? Maybe we go outside. I don't know. It just can't happen. But you know what I, I failed to do again and again and again? I underestimated WordServe. I mean, you don't mess with WordServe people. When we get things done, we get things done. And so what happened is the painters came in. You see that on the upper right-hand side, got the paint. And uh, Mike Koss, I got to say, is the foreman of fruition. He brought all this together. He was here all week. And uh, he was, yes, absolutely. In fact, I'm kind of surprised to see him this morning. I thought we killed him. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Mike. But while, while he was waiting for the painters and he got bored, he just ripped all the carpet off the stage because that's what you do when you're bored, I guess. I don't know. Uh, and then come down to the, <clears throat> the lower left, you see the, the black paint, and then you see the flooring got installed. And so we had people come in and do this really cool flooring. There is so much room up here. I don't even know what to do. I, I'm like wandering around lost up here. This is so cool. But I think I can finally bring in the mat, right, for the Sermon on the Mat series. We'll, we'll talk about that later. All right, and then over here on the, uh, the far right side is the completed project. Now, yesterday, and just to show you how close the, 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 the gun this was, right, yesterday there were about like, I don't know, 10 people that came in. So thank you to everybody that came in. And this place was just like a beehive of activity. In fact, I try to mostly stay out of the way because if you know anything about my handyman skills, I'm much better at destroying things than I am about putting things together. So I did the, you know, the, the minimal things I could do to mess this up. But everybody just was like, it's an amazing team. It always amazes me when WordServe people get together. You know who they are because things just happen. And this happened. So thank you, Mike. Thank you, Jimmy. The, uh, uh, that's the foreman of fruition. This is the chief of change. Uh, <laughs> Rhonda for the <clears throat> for everything that you do all the time just putting things together making them look nice and everybody who had a hand in this thank you so much for what you've done uh, this is just the outward sign of many changes that have been coming and this is what kills me as your pastor is I've known about this for a while I've been so excited but it's hard to share that with you because I, I can only see it here now you can see it here and there's a whole wave of stuff behind this and I'm not talking about material things I'm talking about revitalizing our life in Christ. I'm talking about making an impact in the community, and it's starting to happen. So now I'm, now I'm excited, and I hope you're excited because you can start to see the great things that are happening here. So on to the next sermon series. This sermon series is called A Season of Thanks because there's a thing that happens in November every year. You may have heard of it. It's called Thanksgiving, ironically enough. Here's what we're going to do to prepare for Thanksgiving. Uh, I, I, this is a nod to all the engineers out there. I know you love numbers, and as I started putting the sermon series together, I realized that every one of the things I'm talking about has a number, percentage, or ratio to it. So today we're talking 24-7. Next week it'll be 10 to 1. Then it's 10%, and then it's 100%. No nods from the engineers? No? Really? <laughs> okay. I thought I'd get something at least. Anyway. Okay, so... Off we go, and uh, here's, here's the thing we're talking about today. We're talking about 24-7. The irony of this is the Bible verse that we're using today is going to be Genesis 2, 4 through 7. 24-7. But there's more. Just wait for it. Let me ask you this question to start with. 
Have you ever seen people of abundance versus people of scarcity? Maybe you don't know exactly what I'm talking about, but the author Stephen Covey a few decades ago made this abundance mentality and scarcity mentality very popular. He explained it this way. Scarcity mentality means there's not enough to go around, and people tend to hoard and pull things in and not be generous. Abundance mentality, on the other hand, says there's plenty to go around. There's no reason to hoard anything. We share everything. You get that? Yeah, there'll be more. It's no problem. And so in our lives, we tend to gravitate towards one of these two cultures. We're either scarcity people or we're abundance people. And it's pretty well represented by that slide up there. You probably have met people that are one or the other. Let me give you one example of a person that I met. His name was Steve. He was in my squadron when I was in the Air Force. He was pretty new to us, and he didn't have a car at the time that I met him, so I was his driver when we went to lunch or went to functions like that, and I got to know Steve pretty quick. Steve was an abundance people, and here's what I mean. We were uh, doing something one day, and I noticed he had this really cool pin. I was like, man, that is an awesome pin. He goes, here. He just gave it to me. He's like, no, dude, I don't want your pin. I just say, no, no, please take it. I, I, it. It'd thrill me for you to have this pin. Okay, thanks. It's just a pin. I realized about two days later as I was walking by his desk, he's using like a big ballpoint thing that, you know, like the, you get a dollar's worth, you get 10 pins or something like that. I'm like, Steve, you want your pin back? He goes, no, no, that's yours. I want you to have that. This guy is not right in the head. It's a, and so it was about a, a two weeks later Then I'm still kind of getting to know Steve. Well, I figured out pretty quick Steve is a Jesus follower. And he's not obnoxious about it, but you, you know. If you know, you know, right? And I was telling him, you know, we're driving back from some function, and we're driving back towards the, the squadron, and I'm telling him about, you know, so how hard life is and some problems I was having and everything. And we get to the, the parking spot, and I stop the car, and he goes, hey, Bill, can I pray for you? Sure. Why not? <laughs> is anybody looking? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Go for it. So he prays this beautiful prayer about you know, how to take care of me and, and all this kind of stuff. I'm like, wow, that was really great. Thanks, Steve. I did not realize that while Steve was praying all this, he was living out of boxes because he just moved, which is not unusual for military families. This is no big deal. But Steve had four kids living out of boxes. One of those kids was a special needs kid, which took a lot of time. Steve's life was pretty much miserable at that point. And here he is, give me his best pen, praying a prayer for me because my life is so difficult. Yeah, see, Steve was a person of abundance. And those people of abundance, you, you recognize them because they have a generous spirit. They're very giving. They don't hold anything back. They're not concerned about themselves. And that's the type of people that you want to be around, I think. So today we're going to look at how do we become a people of abundance mentality. And there's one thing that we can do, and there's one practice that we can do that will help us on our journey there. So we're going to start all the way back at the beginning. We're actually going to go back to Genesis, like I said, chapters 2, 4 through 7. We're going to talk about the formation, the creation of mankind. And the section that I'm going to read today will might be familiar to you, but uh, we're going to point out some words that you might tend to skip over if we're not careful. And somewhere along the line, my bookmark moved, so let's just make this up. <laughs> All right, here we go. Genesis 2, 4 through 7. This is the account of the heavens and the earth when they were created, when the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. 
Now no shrub had yet appeared on the earth, and no plant had yet sprung up. For the Lord God had not sent rain on the earth, and there was no one to work the ground. But streams came up from the earth and watered the whole surface of the ground. Then the Lord formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. These are the words of God for the people of God. For these words, we are grateful. You're probably thinking, Bill, what does this have to do with abundance mentality? Well, stick with me. We're going to work with this. And the whole secret that we're going to work with today is breath. See, God made this wonderful creation. He made this, formed this human being out of the dust of the ground. But it wasn't a living being until God breathed into that person. And that person then became alive. So we're, uh, we're about 44 minutes into this. How many people have ever stopped to think since this service started? Did you stop and worry about your breath? How many people are even aware that you've been breathing? How many people are no longer breathing? See, yeah, see, here's the thing. So the average person takes about 12 to 16 breaths per minute. So multiply that. We're, we're well into about the 500 breath point. You've taken 500 breaths since you've been here and haven't thought about it once. How does that happen? Well, I'll tell you how it happened. We're fearfully and wonderfully made by a God. Who provides for us? God has provided air. 500 breaths worth so far and counting. So how many people think that God can provide anything? Sure, God provides the air that we breathe. Now, we don't even have to think about this. I don't have to go air in, air out. Air in, thank God, because I would get distracted. Squirrel, oh, you know, there, uh, I'm done, right? <laughs> We don't even think about it. It's involuntary. It just takes care of itself. You go to sleep, and you're not thinking about breathing. You're dreaming cool dreams. And when you wake up in the morning, guess what? You're still breathing. How does that happen? And not only that, never once do I worry about, is the, is the oxygen content correct in the air that I'm breathing? Is, it, is, is there too much CO2 in the air? Is there, I don't think about anything. That's all provided to me. But God has provided, literally, 24-7, just in the air that we breathe. That's a God who cares. So maybe we can use this idea of our breath and the fact that that happens 24-7 to begin to change ourselves in our mentality into this abundance mentality because I'll tell you the the secret is going to be through how we react to that, how we acknowledge God's work in our life. And if we truly believe that God can provide anything and will provide anything in abundance, then we can become people of abundance. It's a, it's a fascinating journey to take. Now, here's the catch. It's not whether God provides or not. God provides. Let me just cut to the chase. God provides. Here's what it is. Are we aware of God's provision to us? Because my response to breathing every day is pretty much clueless ignorance is what I would call it. It's not that I'm anti-God or I'm not grateful. It's just I don't even think about it. And that's the problem. We don't even think about God. What if we stopped and thought more about God? I think we would become a a little bit more oriented towards a thing called gratitude. We would understand more. So this breath that we have, every time we take a breath, imagine this, every time you breathe, just remind yourself that God provides. This God who cares enough to put everything in motion 
put the breath in our lungs. It's the gift that keeps on giving because if you're sitting here today, once that breath got put into you, you have continued to breathe. And even if that breath leaves our bodily lungs one day, we will be in his presence forever. That's a win-win. There's no way around that. That is a win-win. So let's talk about a little bit of this, this breath that comes in and out. There's two words. Uh, one is Greek and one is Hebrew, but they mean the same thing. So regardless whether you read it in the Old Testament, which would be Hebrew, or the New Testament, which would be the Greek, it's the same word. And here it is. I don't do this very often, but this one is important. I'm going to geek out on you for just a second. Um, did I skip over that one? Yeah, there we go. So <clears throat> this word in Hebrew is called ruach. Let me give you a hint. If you, if you want to speak Hebrew, make sure no one's sitting right in front of you. All right? Ruach. All right? There you go. You've got to say it like that. That's over here. Uh, pneuma is the word in Greek. And you might recognize pneuma from things like uh, pneumonia or pneumothorax, or it's the breath that we have, right? So these words mean basically the same thing. It's breath, but it's also wind or spirit. So while God put breath into man and made them a living being, he's also put spirit. It's the same thing. So here's something to be grateful for, not just breath. I mean, yeah, you can take breath for granted. Great, I'm breathing. But you know what? God's spirit is in me as well. Now, here's the key question. Do I take God's spirit in and hold it there? Or do I let God's spirit back out through my actions, through my words, through a sticky note on an Operation Christmas Child box? See, if you just take God's spirit in and keep it to yourself, try this experiment if you want. Everybody take a deep breath and hold because it's all about you. You want God yourself. Don't, don't breathe yet. It's, you want to keep that God in you. Don't breathe. Don't even chuckle. Don't laugh. Just hold God in as long as you can, and let me know how that works out for you. You get the point. You can breathe. Right? I don't want anybody passing out. But that's how we approach things, don't we? We come to church on Sunday, and we go, let me take God in. Okay, I'm going to hold it throughout the week. Why am I so exhausted and beat down, and why is the world such a nasty place? Oh, I forgot to breathe. Right? God's spirit coming in, God's spirit coming back out. I forgot to breathe. And the reason that we know this is because Jesus, uh, we talk about the breath here, right, this in, in this particular chapter, but go forward and when Jesus had been crucified, dead, and buried, and then resurrected, he shows up to his disciples, and as he is preparing to send them out, he says a very peculiar thing, and you can read this in John, it's in chapter 20, and it's uh, 21 and 22. Uh, let, me, let me get the, the second part of that up here for you. This is Jesus talking to his disciples after he's come back from the dead. He's, he's met them in the upper room. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. Listen for this. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Now, taking at face value, doesn't that sound a little strange? Hey, I'm, I'm getting ready to send you out. He breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. No, the point is, the Spirit is the breath. He breathed the Spirit on his disciples as he prepared to send them out. And I would argue he's still doing that same thing today. And what is that Spirit? It's the Ruach. It's the, pneumonia, it's the pneuma, not the pneumonia. That's different. <laughs> so what does this tell me? This tells me that, that there is provision in what God is doing. There is a caring God 
who has given us this great gift that keeps on giving. And it's not just the breath in our lungs that we use to praise like we sang about. It's the spirit that moves in and through us that shows us the right things to do, the right things to say, the right things not to say. If we take it in and if we pass it out, then that begins to happen. Gratitude is the result. Gratitude changes everything. And again, it's not that God doesn't provide or does provide. God provides. It's am I aware of God's provision? And if I am, I will be grateful for God's provision once I figure out that I would be done if there were no breath for me to breathe. I would be lost if there were no spirit guiding me. I would be condemned forever without his son who did what he did on the cross. Gratitude changes everything. So what do we do about this word, sirs? How do we become a people of abundance? Here's one suggestion I have for you. Start with a gratitude journal. Find one thing each day and write it down. Why do I say write it down? Because two weeks down the road when you get tired of this experiment and you go, whatever, you can look back and go, oh, yeah, I did have something to be grateful for. And the more you do this and the more you write down, the more you will realize there is a lot to be grateful for. And sometimes you just kind of have to slog through it. I'm not going to lie. It's not easy at first to start something like a gratitude journal. It's not easy if, you're, if you've been burned by the world like the guy in the video and your heart is hardened and you're cynical about people. It's not easy to have gratitude in your heart. But I'm telling you, unless we want to live in a world of scarcity, we need to become a people of abundance. And this is the ticket. Write down at least one thing that you're grateful for. Maybe you have a partner that helps remind you, hey, what did you write down today? Uh, great, here's what I wrote down today. And you have that accountability. Because here's the flow of things. If I have gratitude each day, if I have the discipline to start that, then that becomes a habit. If I have a habit, then that becomes a lifestyle. If I have a lifestyle, that becomes a culture. If I have a culture, that becomes a community of abundance. Do I need to say that again? The habit becomes the lifestyle. The lifestyle becomes the, the uh, culture. The culture becomes the community. See, that's how we become a people of abundance. That's what's possible if we will do this. Gratitude changes everything. We will become people who live in abundance, but you'll see a couple of other uh, characteristics, just like my friend Steve. Steve had a confidence, and I don't mean cocky confidence. I mean like, yeah, take my pen. I'll get another one. Yeah, I'll, I'll pray for you. I know your life is terrible, even though mine's way worse. Because Steve knew that it was going to get better. Steve knew that God had him and his family. Steve was generous. That's the other characteristic that you find people of abundance. Very generous, generous people. And this is all possible. So the question that we have today at WordServe is, do we want to be a people of scarcity or do we want to be a people of abundance? Life is different on one side of this equation. And the natural tendency in this world is not towards abundance. It's the other direction. So if we want to do something radical with our lives, if we want to be countercultural, here is the opportunity, and it starts with gratitude. Gratitude for the breath in my lungs. Gratitude for the spirit that God has given me. The generosity to not hold it into myself, but to let it back out as generously as it's been given to me, as freely as it's been given to me. And what cements this home for me most of all is that while it's freely given, it was paid for dearly. 
by a man named Jesus on a cross. And yet, he gives that to us so freely. That is the ultimate abundance. And that's why life is different at Wordsworth. If we will take God's spirit in, if we will share God's spirit out, if we will have the confidence that God will provide, if we will be people of abundance and we will become generous people, you'll see your world change. You'll, you'll see your family's world change. You'll see your community change, your school, your workplace. All of this is possible because nothing is too great for God to handle. So decide today, Lord Sir, will we be people of scarcity or people of abundance? I prefer the latter. How about you? Will you pray with me, please? God, thank you <clears throat> that you are a God of abundance. You own the cattle on a thousand hills. There is nothing that you can't do. God, forgive me when I fail to see that abundance in action, when I'm cluelessly unaware of what you're doing in my life. God, I pray that every individual here would be impacted today by an awareness of how active you are in our lives, that we would be aware of every breath that we take as a reminder that you are a provider. And that every breath we take is accompanied by your spirit, pouring into us, making us new, renewing us, healing us, healing us of hurts, making us have a sense of belonging where we might feel lonely, healing us of all the trauma that has been in the past, making a new thing. And then God, just as generously, let us breathe that back into the world, into the things that we do, the lunches that we pack, the boxes that we pack to send around the world, the words of encouragement that we share. God, let us freely, freely.